sleeves look like toothpaste. Oh my, James! <laughs> He's being so rude to me today. Yeah, is a- Number one, my sweatshirt does not look like toothpaste. All right, it's a red, white, and blue stripe, but it's like not American. It's got that that light blue. I was just about to like say, crest. so America's toothpaste. <laughs> I swear, yes. I swear. Uh, well, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> welcome. To the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. James, I want to know, are you laying down? Of course. Of course he is. Why, <laughs> why do you even ask that? Like, No, James, do you lay down because it's comfortable, or do you find that laying down really activates your brain power? Like you, you're, you're not using it for any bodily functions, essentially, except for you're beating your heart and maybe a little bit of breathing. So now it's like, it's, it's all mental for you now. It's both, yeah. It's comfy okay. and, and yeah. That that's why anytime I have a bad performance, it's most likely because I'm walking or running while I'm doing this. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's what Alex is going to say. That's the reason why he uh JFK episode. Yeah, he has some issues like in the JFK episode. <laughs> I have never recorded or written anything sitting down. Ever. Ever. Uh, that's such a lie. I've seen videos of you, James, and you're sitting down. What? (laughs) (laughs) I remember, I remember when we were all in screenwriting class seeing James sitting down. I never saw James laying down like that. I love how this is like a myth that needs to be (laughs) debunked. Yeah, this episode's topic is is James lay down all the time. (laughs) Oh, Um, man. How are you guys doing? Any exciting life <laughs> events you want to share? Oh, no. Nothing? No, it's just casual. Oh, this is not really pertained to our audience, but I've pre-ordered a PS5. Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> he has pre-ordered a PS5. Uh, not one, but two. Yeah. Well, for yeah. a backup. Backup because I have a feeling one of them will get canceled by one of the retailers. retailers. If it doesn't, we'll do a cash drop-off. <laughs> 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 well, you know what? Just you should keep that second one. Just kind of up the prices uh, a little bit. Just uh, don't tell James. Yeah, yeah. We'll sell an exclusive MVM pod. Or sorry, not MVM. Oh 34. my, Alex, I swear to goodness. <laughs> this is this is, uh, this is, this is what I mean, exclusive you guys. Thirteenth floor. It's every time you record anymore, Alex. It's like those sitcoms where the person has like two dates and they keep mixing <laughs> them up. <laughs> they keep mixing up the names. Yeah. They they show up at one and they're dressed in like a top hat and they're, they're like, oh wait, that's right, this is a quinceanera. Well, maybe maybe that's the reason. The reason he keeps doing this is because he isn't laying down. Oh, you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's a problem. Get off of me. Get off of me. Um, okay. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, icebreaker, you guys. I have a great icebreaker. But before we get to that, how about we just we just throw our announcements out there you know what i mean just get yeah. them out of the way okay we sure. have announcements exciting Let's yeah our announcement is number one thank you to everybody who submitted topics this week because oh my goodness there's so many topics in the vase now that i am like super excited to talk about more we we've got a vase full of great ideas but i think the term is the vase is burgeoning it's it's starting to overflow votes. and it looks beautiful <laughs> it makes me so smiley so yeah, so <laughs> thank you to everybody who submitted topics. If you want to submit a topic, dear listener, guess what? You can do it. You can send it to me on Instagram at 13th floor podcast. You can also send them to us via our email, 13th floor podcast at gmail.com or on the website. 
thirteenthfloorpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reach out to us and we'll get your topic in the vase. And you know what? This is a thing that I've actually had a couple of people ask me lately. They say, you know what? I have a topic that I want to submit, but I have a feeling it's already been submitted. And chances are, you know, with our our vase overflowing right now, chances are it might be in there. But guess what? There are so many topics that we can do multiple times. So by all means, never be worried about sending a duplicate topic in because there are so many topics that we can talk about multiple episodes on. So no, we've at least talked about aliens uh, at least twice. Yeah, we've talked about aliens a couple not, times. Like more. Yeah, so so don't be afraid. You know, reach out. Be a friend. I'd love to hear from you. And then also, thanks to everybody who submitted reviews. We got one this week. And that was great. Was well, that's great nice. Review. Yeah. Thank you, that one. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, thanks. Special thanks, you know who you are, to the 13th lawyer who recommended the Hiram key to me. I will check it out at my earliest convenience. I have no it's idea what James is talking about, but... Mm. Oh, a book. Um... Icebreaker. Are you guys ready for Icebreaker? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we've done a whole bunch of topic-oriented icebreakers. I just want to stray away from that today. I just want to get to know us just a little bit, you guys. <laughs> huh? Best and worst vegetable, in your opinion. Oh. Ooh. And I know that Alex oh, has I asked... I know what's bringing this up. Alex has asked a vegetable question in the past. Well, I, can already, I already know the worst vegetable. There's, there's, there's no doubt about it. Brussels sprouts. Uh, yeah, we <gasps> remember. <laughs> Brussels sprouts. I There's nothing you can do. You could coat that thing in sugar and it would still have that abhorrent aftertaste. Alex is very, he's got very strong feelings about Brussels sprouts. Oh my gosh. Like, I f- it's disgusting. It's like, if mm-hmm. I, I, okay, so, you know, a bird, it pokes its beak into the ground trying to grab worms and stuff. You're like, is they like try to quickly retreat away? Well, Every time he misses, he gets a mouthful of dirt. That's what eating a Brussels sprout is. You know what I think uh, Brussels sprouts are? It's like eating a mouthful of fart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, that's the sulfur compounds, but that's from overcooking it. James, don't try to. Don't try. Don't try. But (laughs) you know what? (laughs) That's because James likes eating Oh, my goodness. (laughs) No. No, James knows how to cook Brussels sprouts. Maybe, you know what, maybe that's the thing, James. You've mm. just never made me Brussels sprouts before, so that's why I don't mm. like them. But I actually have another vegetable that I despise more mm, than... I, I know what it is. ...than Brussels sprouts, and that is kale. I have tried... I love kale. I've given it so many chances, and every time it breaks my heart. Mm. Yeah. You know what we learned just now? James doesn't have taste buds. That's a <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, I love all vegetables. I don't have a single vegetable I dislike. Um, in fact, the bottom for me isn't even, I love artichokes. This is the only thing I dislike. I don't like growing artichokes because God, oh it's so gosh. much work for so little. It, it's just awful. It's like, it would be like, it would be like catching shrimp with a fishing rod and then like, you know, wow, three hours in and I got three mouthfuls. That's what it's like growing an artichoke. It's rough. Well, I've never tried to grow an artichoke before, but maybe I'll tr- give it a try. James is the only vegetable complaint. It's growing. It's growing artichokes. <laughs> okay, then on the opposite side of that spectrum, James, what is your favorite vegetable? Ooh, I would have to say 
You know, that's funny you should say that because I am I'm a tomato snob. I am. Yeah. I go to I go to restaurants and I get something with a tomato on, like a burger, I forget. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Normal people eat water balloons that look like tomatoes. <laughs> and so like for me, I love a real tomato, like a Cherokee purple or an ox heart. It's it's almost as good as meat. Like you it can be a meal. Oh, so good. Like especially first thing in the morning. This is very southern. First thing in the morning, you have a biscuit, and you put some honey on it, and then you take a big, big old-school tomato, like a flavorful tomato, and you, you cut it in half, and you put it in the fridge so it gets nice and cold, and you put a little salt on it. Oh. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea when I proposed this question that James would go on for about a minute about tomatoes, but that was kind of magical, James. Hmm. I appreciate that. Like, it also felt... Mildly erotic. <laughs> <laughs> it did a little bit, didn't it? Oh, man. Um, you know, I feel like I don't even feel like I need to share my answer because I don't think that I'm ever we going to. We can't follow up with that. Yeah, we can't follow that. Like, what, yeah. what am I? Oh, I like I like potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I like corn, but not just any corn. Not that water balloon corn. I like normal corn. <laughs> <laughs> one, you know, there's actually there's one other vegetable that I really hate. <laughs> Okay, you're I, you know, dip on the this eight. is the thing. This is the thing. I've fallen in love with green beans recently, but mm. they have to be like yeah. fresh green beans. If I get a canned green bean, oh. I will. I will vomit. Oh gosh! It's it's like biting I into a worm or something. Yeah, canned green beans are Jeez. nasty, but I, I like I like normal green beans that we make. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a fresh <laughs> farmer's market green beans. Yum. Uh, you guys ever break beans? Break beans? What are you talking about, boy? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's country for cut the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. You you sit on a porch and you uh, you take fresh picked green beans that you picked and you you break them into little bits so you can uh, store them for later. Yeah, my aunt actually passed away the other day, and that's some of my fondest memories with her is breaking beans with her. Oh, James, I'm yeah. sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah, Alex, not. you can't laugh at that one, can nope. you? <laughs> I, was, I, I, had, I had a great joke. I had a great joke, and I'm not going to do it. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, are you guys ready to hop on into our topic? And today we're talking about remote viewing, and this subject was submitted to us by Don last week. So thank you, Don, for this subject. But James is actually going to be starting us out today, and he's going to be talking about what is remote viewing. Yeah. Remote viewing, which is often shortened to RV, not to be mistaken for recreational vehicle is when what you're really doing is you're trying to get mental impressions on something far away. So it's a form of ESP, but it's very different from most forms of ESP because most forms of ESP are associated with sort of seeing the future. Whereas in this instance, you're seeing something that's happening. You're just seeing it from, from a, a location that's physically impossible for you to see it otherwise. Like for example, seeing something that's taking place in San Francisco while you're in Ottawa. You know, it's not something that you can do, but via this means of clairvoyance, you can. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was sort of credited from some Stanford Research Institute folks who studied parapsychology, which always makes me think of Ghostbusters, like the idea of like quasi-Ivy League folks studying something semi-occult. But yeah, uh, physicists Russell Targ and Harold Putoff, they were the ones who were sort of responsible for that. Although they didn't actually coin the term. 
It was actually coined uh, during an experiment at the American Society for Psychical Research in New York by a lady named Ingo Swan, who is a claimed psychic and artist and author. And uh, she and Targ and Puthoff actually started what Alex will be talking about later, and I won't get too much into it for that reason. But it really became more popular in the zeitgeist after the declassifications of that project that will Alex will be covering later in the nineties. <laughs> and, and it, it spawned a lot of, of shows. This was, it's important to also remember that during the nineties, because so many like really weird CIA related um, experiments had been declassified at that point. Like that was sort of the time to get into conspiracy theories. It's kind of like a repeat of what's happening now. Um, or uh, now is a repeat of what happened then rather, you know, this was when the X files and all, all those kinds of shows started coming onto the scene because people started realizing, wow, a lot of these government bureaus, there are just some stuff that, uh, is a little Mm -hmm. out there. Remote viewing is probably in my opinion. and, And I think a lot of people would agree. It's probably the most practical if utilized form of ESP. And what I mean by that is if you predict the future, it really leads to a lot of problems because if you're if you're influencing the future, we, we've covered this before in a previous episode. You don't really know if you're actually preventing that future from happening or not, or if it's you know some predestined uh, thing that's supposed to occur. Additionally, yeah. you don't know if you're going to make things worse. Similarly, other forms of ESP where people can look into the past, well, that's all already written in stone. So it's it's interesting, the idea of somebody being able to tell you, like, you know, what day Joan of Arc was born and whether it was sunny or cloudy. But it's not really going to affect your day-to-day life. Whereas remote viewing, if you think about it, the practicalities uh, of, of that particular ability, assuming that it's possible, holy moly. I mean, you could... You wouldn't even need spies at that point because you don't need to infiltrate anything. You can have somebody watch it from D.C. Yep. So <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons why it's become extremely popular. And I'm, I'm almost scared to elaborate any further without stepping on you guys' toes because, yeah, there's quite a bit of overlap, I think. I had one question for you, James. Do you Can you outline how people actually can apparently remote view? Like, what are the, the oh, acts sure. behind it and the steps? Sure, sure. Well, the biggest thing that seems to be a big part of it, and, and I think that we can see that also, you know, I was talking about the X-Files. We see this in Stranger Things uh, with, uh, what's her name, 17? Is that the right? 11. It's been a while. Eleven. It's been a long time. <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> With Eleven's abilities, um, we, we notice sensory deprivation plays a role. And that seems to be a big part of remote viewing is usually the people in question, they go to a place where there's no windows, there's no distractions, usually a white room. Sometimes they will cover their eyes and they'll concentrate and they'll think on that time and place that they're trying to remote view. Another thing that they may do is look at photographs. That's a really, really common strategy of the place that they're trying to view. They'll focus on, say, an image of a laboratory in Siberia, if that's what they're trying to figure out. And then all of a sudden, there's Dr. Tokarev. And, oh, what's this? He's he's cloning eyes. He's cloning eyes. Like, that's sort of (laughs) one of the... 
<laughs> one of the generic means of, of understanding it is, is focusing on imagery associated with that place in question until an image starts to be conjured up in the mind's eye. Um, another odd uh, association with the people who came up with it is uh, it's been claimed that Putoff was like a really big Scientologist before he went to Stanford and that that had an effect on his research. And they, the Church of Scientology actually published a letter that uh, he had written uh, while he was conducting that research. And uh, it said, end quote, <clears throat> although critics viewing the system Scientology from out the outside may form the impression that Scientology is just another quasi-educational, quasi-religious scheme. It is, in fact, a highly sophistical and highly technological system, more characteristic of modern corporate planning and applied technology. So this put a little bit of a negative association on everything that he had been working on up to that point, and especially now in retrospect. This yeah. had a little bit of a, a cast a shadow over. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, incidentally, Madame Blavatsky, founder of Theosophy, uh, she claimed uh, that she could remote view the inner structure of Adam. I feel like I remember reading that. Hmm. Interesting. Blavatsky. Interesting. Well, James, thank you for for giving us that basically just a a broad overview of what actual remote viewing is. Because honestly, before this topic had been submitted, I had no idea what it was. If somebody said, oh, we're remote viewing, I would think, oh, I'm watching TV. But (laughs) it's a little bit different. So, Alex, you're going to be talking about Stargate SG-1. Stargate. <laughs> I, I, I looked at him, I said, going to be talking about, and then he looked at me with fear in his eyes. Stargate James. Project. Um, well, but James, know. if you feel, if, if you want to interject at any time, because I'm talking about the history of the project more yeah. so than any accounts that happen there. Yeah. So if you have accounts that you are passionate about, Feel free to talk about them. I've got declassified <laughs> documents right here. Oh my goodness, James. So do I. Is it a 92-page document? Because I went down the remote viewing rabbit hole today. Mm, I have <laughs> several, so. I was glancing at some. Some of the ones that were uh, the reports afterwards. <laughs> or is it still going? We'll find out. Bum, bum, bum. So... Yeah, so I'm working on the project, it was called the Stargate Project. But this project is actually, well, where, as you said, James, the term remote viewing came from. The term developed uh, as a quick way of shorthand to kind of describe what they were testing. But the, the project initially wasn't actually called the Stargate Project, as it was known later on. And it started in 1972. And the whole reason they started the project was supposedly to gain essentially the government had thought that they had gained intel that russia was doing something with psychotronic <laughs> research so not to be one-upped they're like we gotta do it that's right yeah. okay the that's cold war right. was a crazy time it really was <laughs> it sure was so in 1972 the program scanate was created and scanate is short for scan by coordinate and this was the program was being run by two physicists, Harold Putoff and Russell Tagg, and their goal was to create a inexpensive spy tool. So, be able to see through someone's eyes, and like James said, see something, or even maybe manipulate objects in some form. But <laughs> their goal was to get about ooh, 65% accurate. 
Which, if you ask me, intelligence can't afford to be 65% accurate. Yeah, that's, that's just slightly better than your average meteorologist, dang. <laughs> so, <laughs> eventually, a man named Ray Hyman, who was this uh, psychology professor, was hired to investigate the project as they began working and testing. I guess it had kind of, someone wanted to look more into it. So, Ray Hyman comes on and... He investigates someone who actually had gained a little bit of celebrity, a man named Yuri Geller. Oh, I remember him. Yes. Yes. Senior Spoonbender. Yes, right. So Hyman was sent by the Air Force, actually, to investigate Geller. And Hyman very quickly (laughs) claimed that Geller was a complete fraud. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hyman kind of seems like he has an axe to grind with these people. Um, And Mm -hmm. as a result, Geller kind of got a little bit famous because the government contract got shut down. So put off and Targ had to go out with Geller to try to go get funding. And so it kind of bolstered their reputation a little bit in a way. It kind of worked out. So. Uh, <laughs> they got their wish. They got funding for another military intelligence program, and now they were called Gondola Wish. <laughs> <laughs> and then they joined another program, and they became known as Grill Flame. Oh my goodness! <laughs> that makes me want to go and entering the eighties. Makes me want to go and grill out some hot dogs. Yeah, right. <laughs> so mm. eventually, a big reporter at the time, Jack Anderson. In 1984, he reported on this, and since he did, since he, I guess, brought a little recognition to the program, the National Academy of Sciences National Research Council investigated the project and deemed essentially that it didn't seem very legitimate. So the Army terminated funding for the project. What year was that? 1985 was when the Army funding was terminated, hmm. but the program. Just had to do one thing. Change its name again. Woo! To, to Sunstreak. Sunstreak. <laughs> yeah. And so then it was funded by the DIA's Scientific and Techn- Technical Intelligence Directorate. And then in between then and uh, the 90s, the project also went by the names Center Lane and Project CF. This is this all is starting to just feel like money laundering at this point. It doesn't it? Well, it feels yeah, like just, just <laughs> it does. I feel like this project is just getting passed around and somehow still making money. Well, I'm just I'm just yeah. amazed. Like I feel like you've you've been talking for like, you know, a while and all you're doing is throwing names of different institutes and they project just, names out there. As soon as it gets canned by one, it goes to another. Uh, it, it, but mm. it, it's almost like they just move it. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, oh <laughs> oh we, we we can't do Ronald McDonald's, but here's Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in in 1991, one of the civilians that was working on the project, uh, Edwin May, he had been involved very early on. He had pretty much had the controlling seventy percent of the project, and. Eventually, the project got kicked over to a uh, special access program to limited dissemination, and it was given its final name, Stargate. So when it became Stargate, it got kicked over again (laughs) in 1995 to the CIA. And the CIA was kind of like, 
let's see what this thing we just got, <laughs> we this project we were just given, let's check out the validity of it. So mm. they invest, launched this investigation into it, and <laughs> the same year they launched the investigation, they deactivate and declassify all the information involved with the program. So yeah. they were not worried about anything. <laughs> now, the interesting thing about the committee that was brought on to analyze all the data that Stargate had put together from since its inception was Hyman was brought back, the guy that was not a big fan of Yuri Geller. Yeah. Uh, again, he still he seems like he has an axe to grind. And essentially, he just blatantly dismisses all of their work. The other person in charge of the investigation was Jessica Utz. Now, Jessica said that after analyzing the data, that she could not determine any data or method, method, methodological problems with the experiments. So she didn't actually see any problems or errors occurring in the program. And she even cited that they had increasingly impressive results in the program over time. Mm. Now, the third person involved with this investigation was a man named David Marks. And he makes a very valid point. Okay, let's hear Marks points out that Jessica Utz, who just gave a decent review of the project, had an intimate relationship with Edwin May. The guy who had 70% of the project. Oh, well, would you you look at that? So, uh, and he was one of the people that worked the longest with the project. So, uh, that's right. So David Marks made a point of maybe this is a conflict of interest. (laughs) And eventually (laughs) the American Institute of Research kind of was brought in to give the final examination of the entire project. And they just gave the scathing review, citing that there's some serious issues with the way some of the testing was done. Like, the primary overseer of the project had a panel of judges that oversaw the work and data that was being done to, you know, ensure validity. Mm-hmm. Except, well, mm-hmm. all the judges remained anonymous, and the over- the guy that was overseeing the project never had any proof that these people actually ever existed. Oh. <laughs> so... It sounded more like he was just making the results that he possibly wanted to make because there was no panel to keep him honest. There also seems to be a high chance of what they call sensory leakage, which is essentially, it just means that there's a high likelihood of physical evidence being presented during these tests that are psyops, which psyops shouldn't be having any physical interaction with something so like they're seeing pictures they're seeing these types of things that are possibly influencing any sort of results in a uh, non-scientific way i would say Hmm. i have never heard psyop used to describe that i always when i think of psyop i think of what the cia does which is psychological operations oh yeah good point yeah but yeah so the project was deemed as a fraud and now we all know about it and that's Stargate, you guys. <laughs> nice. Jeez, one, uh, you know, I didn't have to interject at all, but I will say one quick thing, because I just think it's interesting, and I can't imagine it overlapping with CC's, and that is that one of the people selected for this project, he uh, he actually created the, what was it called, the Farsight Institute, a uh, big, big staunch advocate for, for remote viewing named Courtney Brown, which is a dude, by the way. I'm very... 
mistrustful of dudes named Courtney for whatever reason. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, oh, wow. Sorry, sorry, all listeners named Courtney that are men. <laughs> but uh, what I find interesting about this guy is, one, he was he was a big academic and ran in a lot of big academic circles, despite saying a lot of really outlandish things, including that he uh, had seen multiple realities during uh, remote viewing, gone to different oh. worlds, met Jesus and the Buddha. They were both advanced aliens before being largely debunked by Robert Baker. Robert Baker being a famous skeptic who was Professor Emeritus of Psychology at our alma mater. Are you okay? Yeah. Wow. Well, interesting. Very so, yeah, he was debunked by that guy. So, yeah, just in, just a fun little five degrees of Kevin Bacon with remote viewing. I feel like I feel like this episode, like, I'm seeing lots of circles. Like, it's, oh, yes. we get this, this little thing it goes all full circle. And then with Stargate, it's like, oh, this guy's fun to get. And then this girl's like, oh, yeah, it's true. Oh, full circle, man, you know what I mean? Full circles. Bleh. But whose circle are you seeing? Are you seeing someone else's? Circles to their eyes? I'm seeing circles that are located in London, England right now because I am remote viewing to there. Nice. Why? What's in London, England? The clock? Big this Ben. Makes, yeah, Big Ben. Big Ben, baby. All right. I just right. called Jesus. it the clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> okay, guys. The clock. So I guess it's my turn, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Well, guess what, you guys? What? This topic was not easy to research. I no. You spent a lot of time on it. I spent a lot of time on it. I did. I read a ninety-two page CIA declassified document. I, you yesterday. read the whole thing. I read the whole thing. Oh my god! <laughs> it, was, it was very interesting. But I just had one little shred of hope because you guys, dear listener, I selected to do the topic of real life examples of people who say that they've remote viewed and. There are a lot that are out there, but they're all in books that you have to buy. And we only had like a, a four-day turnaround this episode. So instead of reading a book, I just read a CIA declassified I, I swear, if I get another text message at work saying, I need to remote view. Yep, I'll try to grab something in your hand. I'll tell you guys the, re- the result of my own personal remote viewing here oh, shortly. Okay. But but yeah, really, at the end of the day, there aren't really that many credible examples of real life remote viewing anecdotes. So yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> JK, you guys, geez. As if I'd let you down, dear listener. But seriously, there really aren't there really aren't that many published examples. Really? On the internet at least. But I did find a ton of Reddit threads about people sharing their experiences. And while I'm not disputing that the good people of Reddit uh, were lying about their remote viewing experiences. There's really no way for me to validate any of those examples. Yeah, who would lie on Reddit? <laughs> At the end of the episode, I'll, I'll go through CIA's procedure for how to remote view. Okay, beautiful. I cannot wait for that because uh, mm. I, I want to give it another try, James. But I am going to discuss two examples. I did find two examples uh, that had a, a couple more sturdy sources behind them. And the first being those dang interesting CIA documents. And I found the thesis on CIA.gov. And the particular one that I read was titled remote viewing parapsychological potential for intelligence collection question mark. I'm, I'm always skeptical when they, they end with a question mark like that. You know <laughs> well, I mean? to me, this was submitted in 1992, which was close to when they ended, you know, all of the, the Stargate. Yeah, they declassified apparently. in 95, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so to me, it almost seems like after reading this document, it seems to me like he's trying to basically say, this is why we need to continue studying this. 
Okay. That's what it felt like to me. So the question mark in that title makes me think, is there potential? And then he goes, heck yes, there is, all throughout the mm-hmm. document. But it's really, it's a thesis about the importance of taking remote viewing seriously because from a security perspective, as James mentioned earlier, it really could prove beneficial to the military mm-hmm. if you could just, you know, you don't have to send your spies anywhere. Your spy can be mm-hmm. sitting in a room at their house. It'd be or, cheap. He could do it, he could do it during... Uh, commercial breaks of friends. Yeah, exactly. From the comfort and safety of his own home. But yeah. on the other side of that spectrum, remote viewing could also be debilitating if used against us. So it's like, you know, do you want to possibly let Russia in your, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your example? There we're studying it. So says the U.S. government. So we got to study. Well, if they're mm-hmm. studying it and they're actually making progress on it, then they could use that against us. So why wouldn't we want to study it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. These yeah. circles, you guys. Anyways, <laughs> that CIA document did outline some of the basic experiments that were carried out to study the phenomenon. And I believe they were carried out at Stanford Research Institute. But the first one, and this is just an example of what they kind of studied with, but they'd have their their viewer their psychic subject sitting in a room with an interviewer and in the lab, they would have these 10 sealed envelopes all with locations within a 30 mile drive of the lab. And they would pick an envelope at random. No one would have any idea what's in the envelope. And then the target, the person who would open the envelope, they would drive to that location and kind of take in the, the surroundings, like look at everything, take in the sights and the smells, feel, you know, the grass or whatever around them. And uh, the remote viewer would sit there and try to channel the target and see where they are. And they would write down like whatever they're feeling. Sometimes they would take pieces of clay and try to mold things out of the clay to be like, oh, look, Mm. this person's standing in front of a fountain. So I just molded a fountain, stuff like that. But I guess the results were pretty good because of the results, the thesis said, quote, the quality of the results was such the judges who had to determine in a blind fashion which viewer-generated data packages were associated with which target sites were able to match transcripts to targets in first place in roughly half the cases. An exceptionally significant result. Which is significant if Alex's, uh, you know, Stargate claim that there actually weren't any judges is, you know, if that's not true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what's well, also Zarbo skeptical says. just because, you know, what if it's kind of like cold reading, you know, yeah, like, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm remote viewing right now, dust your coffee table. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you could, you could interpret that a million ways. Cause you know, what are yes. the odds that your coffee table has no dust on it? So, yeah. 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 We don't know. Cause it didn't tell you, tell us what locations there were there. I, so I have no idea if there was any variety between any of those locations. I did mm-hmm. watch a video. I think it was by vice. Was it by Vice? I watched it. it. the The interviewer was wearing a black helmet that you couldn't see through, and I thought that was very strange. Uh, again, sensory deprivation. Yeah. Well, no, no, James. It was the interviewer, not the Wait, the person. What? Who, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was the interviewer interviewing somebody who could remote view. Okay. It was a bit. It was a bit odd, but anyways, they did it, and that rem- remote viewer got it right. You guys, he was. They did basically this exact same test. They brought in five people who had no knowledge of what was going on and said, okay, this is, these are papers where this guy is written, written, <laughs> written what he's seeing. Now, these are the three pictures of locations. Which location do you think he was writing about? And four out of five got it right, which I thought was interesting because that was, mm. I, I don't know. I, 
you, you it's a video. You, you don't know if they've edited it a certain way, so who knows. But, okay, the second experiment that was also carried out by the Stanford Institute uh, it was very similar, but basically the difference is they had these little film canisters and within each canister, someone would put like a little object and uh, seal the canisters. And then the target would take a can canister at random, leave and put it in their pocket, drive away, go to some other location. And then the remote viewer would try to channel the target and figure out what is in that film canister in that person's pocket. Mm. And they did have some pictures. I mean, in the document, they had pictures that, were supposedly of the objects and the drawings that were created by the remote viewers, and they looked they looked pretty interesting. Interesting. Yes. So those were just some of the the real life experiments that were carried out by Stargate, I guess, or whoever was doing it. I don't know. But Grill Flame. Yeah, it could have been Grill Flame. <laughs> one other thing that I thought was interesting about the CIA documents was that it discussed one of the military's remote viewers named Pat Price. Have you guys ever heard of Pat Price? No. Yep. Yeah, of course you have, James. And I like how you yawn in the middle of my mm. segment, James. I'm boring. Yeah, grill flame. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to remote view and see James. I'm remote viewing into James's apartment right now, and he is lounging. Oh, I just see black because his eyes are closed. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, Pat Price, he was supposedly one of the best psychics who had this ability to remote view, and it briefly outlined some of his accomplishments in the document. And he like was also being... a Scientologist, like put off. Was he really? Yep. I didn't know that. But he was able to see into buildings and filing cabinets, and he was really known because apparently he was able to draw pictures of technology that was being created by the Russians. Oh. And especially cranes. He knew a lot about cranes, this man. Wow. But he also, it said the that he was able the to. <laughs> the The machine. If James did this and was faking it, like this guy probably is, he's, you know, he's fake. He's probably like an expert crane. He just loves cranes. Grew up loves loving cranes. If it was James, he would just be drawing like some anime girl. Hey, but, or something. Like, <laughs> look what they're developing in Japan. No. <laughs> if James were doing it, he would be, he would be remote viewing space. A, an undiscovered spider species and be so like, that's what I expected you guys to say. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm more predictable than Alex, I guess. But uh, anyways, Pat price, he could see into buildings, you guys. And in one instance, when he was trying to prove his uh, abilities, apparently he could see into this building and he could describe this specific space, including names on people's desks, which oh. I thought was interesting. All while doing this, you know, remote viewing from the other side of the country of the building. But Price apparently had an untimely death, you guys. An odd death. And I found one website called remoteviewed.com because it didn't mention this in the CIA article. It mentioned that he had an untimely death, but it didn't say what happened. And I was like, hmm, that's a bit weird. Let's look into this. So then that's when I went on a little goose uh -oh. goose hunt for that information. But remoteviewed.com had information about Price and his death was definitely a bit odd per another site rents spelled R E N S E.com. But he was doing a okay. And then in 1975, he was at a hotel with some colleagues when all of a sudden he got really sick. And in the article, it mentioned that someone had accidentally bumped into him in the hotel lobby. Well, I have no idea how they would movie. have, you know, known that somebody bumped into him in 1975, but it's, it's unclear if that had anything to do with it, but he was doing A-OK, -okay, and then all of a sudden, he just got really, really sick. He was, like, convulsing, like, in a manner where his head and his feet were the only things touching the bed. At, like, yeah, it was, it was it was a very scary little article, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But 
yeah, he, he passed away and he's poisoned. It's, oh, yeah. it's, an, yeah, it's, it's odd. I feel like whenever you're kind of in the thick of something like that, you never know what's going to happen. And then MK ultra was also going on shortly before this. Mm. And Ooh. I saw a lot of references to MK ultra throughout my research. So, Whoa. you know, MK ultra was looking into some weird things. So, Oh yeah. But I saw in that article, it had a quote from somebody. I can't remember who, but it said, even anecdotal material is so vol- volume- voluminous. But- what? Volume. Yeah, there you go, James. Thank you. That's one word that I always have trouble with. What word? Amongst other words. What word was it? Voluminous. Okay. Well, vo- yeah. I'm not going to say no, that. No, we'll, we'll move on. But it's so voluminous that its impact cannot be denied. And so Zarbo, it felt like in his his article, he was really trying to push for it, which honestly, he did have his own personal anecdotes about his his mother talking to a psychic when he was a a little child and finding out information that later happened to him when he was older. So in my opinion, he already had a preconceived notion about remote viewing and ESP just in general. So, of course, he's going to be kind of pushing for this and saying, hey, this could be of great benefit to us. So, just one little note there. And the last person I'll mention is a guy named Joe McMonagle. McMonagle. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But according to CBS News, he was a Vietnam veteran who had the power of remote viewing. <laughs> and in 1981, he was called in to help the military track down U.S. General James Dozier, who was kidnapped in Italy by Red Brigades. And he, McMahon M- Eagle, uh, was able to apparently create a street map and describe the buildings near where Dozier was being held accurately. But his information didn't actually make it to the right people until after Dozier had already been released. So I don't know what you want to do with that. But Ooh. that was one anecdote that I saw on a CBS News article. And if you want to actually hear more about McMahon Eagle's remote viewing career, he actually did write a memoir, which you guys know how I feel about books being written mm-hmm. by people. But he wrote a book called The Stargate Chronicles. So you could learn more about Alex's little topic over here. But in another book called Mind Trek that he wrote, he apparently claims to have remote viewed Mars for, quote, an individual I believe it was in 1984, though he says he has no idea why. But let's just say there were tall and thin humanoid creatures spotted in a massive pyramid on Mars. And Shaquille O'Neal. What? Mm -hmm. Tall and massive humanoid creatures. Shaquille O'Neal. He is very tall. But (laughs) McMahon Eagle, he also claims that he was once asked to remote view a UFO. But he says in a Slate article that was very good. I highly recommend reading that one. In the interview, he says, quote, The problem that I have with targeting UFOs and Mars and things like that is that there's no real way to validate the information. Which is really one thing that I think about with remote viewing just in general. Because there's, it's hard to validate anything that these people says easily. Unless you've like got an experiment. Like what Alex and I did yesterday with our remote viewing experiment yesterday and today but yeah it's hard to validate this information like if you are trying to get information about a foreign country's military operations how can you ever really know if what you're pulling is accurate Mm. yeah you know what i mean I mean, I almost sometimes wonder if maybe the reason why we had these things was just to scare other countries into thinking we were crazy. Um, and I, I, here's a perfect example. One of the key sponsors 
of uh, Stargate Project was Major General Albert Stubblebean, who, in addition to having a cartoon name, uh, <laughs> was so – I mean, bear in mind, this is a major general. He required that all of his commanders learn how to bend spoons, like Yuri, Yuri Geller. What? He, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He tried to learn how to walk through walls like a Slimer from Ghostbusters. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, just – yeah, when he finally gets like replaced by somebody who's like, "This is crazy. We're not doing this anymore." Like, it's just amazing. And, and on top of that, I'll I'll read to you. This to me suggests more than anything that in a, you know, every it's obvious my opinion on the CIA that they started this, the counterculture that they created at LSD and pretty much like had everybody taking it. I think this proves that they got high on their own supply. This is how they claim you should. Uh, learn how to remote view. This is the procedure. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. I can't. To me, this just screams that they're they're all on drugs. Okay. Once a viewer has grasped the fundamental principles of noise reduction after a stimulus and learned to identify the data bits correctly, further improvement requires practicing a structured procedure. CI has separated that procedure into three phases: access, noise reduction, uniquely identify the target. Establish a need to describe the target. What does that mean? Establish a need to describe. You'd think it would just be describe the target. Yeah, just describe the target. Supply the stimulus through a neutral word. Capture and hold the first impression following Mm. the access word. (laughs) (laughs) This is step two. Quickly write down the first impression using an appropriate bit symbol. Recall that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recall that correct data will appear vague and indistinct. Gee, Willikers, I wonder why. (laughs) Immediately take a brief break of 10 to 30 seconds following this response. If any impressions appear vivid or distinct, record and circle them. Such information is known as interpretive overlay. It is almost always incorrect and discarded. So, So if you see anything clearly, it's nonsense. If it seems vague and indistinct it's correct i am um, oh, so confused yeah yeah yeah. step three qualify data interpretation repeat all the above steps until the, star- the target is described in detail as each impression is received describe the target in terms of texture function color age motion etc when the description appears complete in the session by receiving information about the actual target feedback this is like something written by an insane person but this is the procedure that they went through for Stargate. Well, that's the procedure they want us to think they Ooh. went through. <laughs> well, this is what I mean when I think maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point is like by declassifying this, this was kind of like during the Gulf War. Maybe this was just to make Saddam think like, wait, this is what they're doing? Maybe we <laughs> yeah. shouldn't mess with these guys. <laughs> yeah. I, or if they're looking through my eyeballs right now. Well, it just it seems so unnecessary with all those steps but then at the same time you also got to think like this is the government and they don't like to make things easy you know what i mean yeah it's like dmv instructions for psychics yeah it's bizarre (laughs) well if you guys if you listeners if you want to search remote viewing sessions on youtube there are a ton of people who actually record themselves remote viewing so you can look and see what not that cia process is like but what actual people out there are doing because there are a lot of resources out there to like teach you how to remote view if you're interested and want to see if it's legit yeah and again i i can't verify whether any of those videos are real or accurate because Mm. it's a video posted by somebody on youtube so who knows um and then again there are tons of threads on reddit all about remote viewing (laughs) and i read one that was particularly interesting about the current pandemic that we're in 
So that was interesting, but also like, mm, it's a thread on Reddit. Yeah, the problem with remote viewing is you have to time it right. If you're using it for like espionage, you gotta be like, all right, well, hopefully he's looking at something important right now. What's well, one thing <laughs> yeah. that I I read somewhere that for studying stuff like that, they would have, I guess, a spy that's actually there on site, and then the person would try to channel the spy that they know because that spy's you know looking at the right thing. The spy's there. Yeah, oh, I was like, goodness. why can't the spy just go and I don't know? Yeah, I, again, yeah, that's that's what I mean. This is this. Entire thing was drummed up by money launderers and drug fiends. Like, I don't see any way around it. Well, James, guess what? I remote viewed with Alex yesterday. Okay. You want to hear how that went? (laughs) Sure. Okay, so this was our experiment, dear listener. We had Alex. Alex was at work on the other side of town. I was sitting in the comfort of my own home uh, on my couch with my dog. And I told Alex to pick up an object near him that was in his office. And I had no idea what he picked up. A black like, stapler. But I, I uh, well, I asked him. The first thing I did, I was like, okay. So it says that they try to deprive their senses. So I put myself underneath a blanket, a Navy <laughs> blanket. So it was dark. And then I told Alex to hold and think about something. And in my brain, the first things that I saw were the colors red and black. And so I asked him if it was red or black. And then I said, I don't know if I can do this because I started to feel a little self-conscious and stupid. And then Alex was like, he was like, no, you can do it. And so I put my head back underneath my cover. Well, and I told I, you, I told you black. You didn't. You didn't tell me until afterwards. I said, you said red or black. I said, yes. I don't, uh, whatever. The steps don't matter. Alex will look it up. But then I put my head back underneath the blanket and I tried to figure out a letter. And I came up with a letter P. And then I was like, I don't know. What is it? And it was Alex's phone. So ah. I thought that was interesting. And but it was an iPhone, so it starts with an I. Whatever. And then <laughs> it, he, we tried to do it again today, and I I did not get anything right today. Yeah, she said, is it a black or red object? I said black. You said, is it a binder clip? No. Oh, yeah, that was it. He said, all right, clip. let me go visualize again. And then he said, does it start with a P? I said, I said yes. And then you said pen. I said no. You didn't tell them how it went today. It did, I just told them. You were looking at your text messages. Oh, I was proving evidence of how bad it was today. Mm. <laughs> now, to be fair, to be fair, I did not have the time to focus on the object because it was taking like 30 minutes. I was, listen, I was also working my regular <laughs> nine to five when this was happening. So it's like I'm answering support tickets. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Alex is holding on to something right now. 30 minutes later, I get a text message from saying, are, are you going to? Are you going to do it? I can't hold on to this forever. It's like, huh. Oops. Sorry, babe. <laughs> so, yeah, that's our relationship in a nutshell. James, have you ever tried to remote view? No. Well, there you have it. Wow, James. <laughs> I'm sure you would have tried. Yeah. Nope. I feel like James is more open to things of uh, odd natures. James, what, yeah. what is Louise looking at right now? The window. No, she's staring at a computer yeah. in the back of the couch. Yeah, I'm, I'm lying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even... I mean, she's angled, you know what, her purple vision. Is in line with the window. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> if she just barely tilts her eyes to the left, she can tell you. If she opens her eyes, she will be seeing out. Her eyes window. are open. If if you'll check your silverware drawer, you'll find that I've bent all your spoons. <laughs> 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 well, you guys, I think that's remote viewing. I think that I'm on the fence about it. I don't I I wouldn't put much stock into it. I don't buy it. James mm. is completely yeah. against it. Um, we've got a cricket outside our we window. Even, we even have James against it. We know. Yeah, that's saying some. 
I know. That's I think I've true. said this before, but you know, you can turn, you can calculate cricket chirps into Fahrenheit. No. Yeah. How can you? I like how you just said. I think I've said this before. Like this is a <laughs> I thought really I did. recurring topic. No, you I didn't. say it a lot. Okay, basically, what you do is you count the number of chirps in fifteen seconds, and then you add thirty-seven. The number you get will approximately be what the temperature outside is Fahrenheit. Okay. All right, Alex, start your timer. Start your heard, timer. I've already heard three. Well, you got to start your timer now. Oh, okay. Fifteen seconds, babe. Let's see. So if it's fifteen, se- if if it's if we have fifteen seconds of silence, does that mean it's thirty-seven degrees out? Listen, we're gonna cut the fifteen <laughs> seconds of silence. Start your timer. Oh my gosh! Hang on, hang on. All right, fifteen seconds. Starting now. Go. It's a cold one out there. It's a cold one. It's thirty-seven degrees, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not one chirp. Started the timer. Oh goodness! That so, cricket got eaten by a bird or something. I don't know. James, I put about as much stock in cricket chirp temperatures as I do remote viewing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dang. you guys, there you have it. That is remote viewing. Um, oh wait a minute! I've got a. We got to do the vase, too. We got to do the vase, but we also need to say hello to all of our lovely listeners around the world. Our floriers. Our 13th floriers. Okay, well, let me pull up. Yeah, don't draw <laughs> yet. Come on, just cool, comb, your, comb your paws. Okay. My paws? Your paws. That hand, not that hand. Hope you're giving me a shout out to Jersey. To Jersey? You know what? I think we do. Our, our map of the U.S. right now is insane, you guys. I think we only have like four states that nobody's listening in <laughs> this month at least. Nice. Um, and those states are, I'm sorry, it's five states. Uh, yeah, instead of praising the others, let's shame the other. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I know. Oh, Wyoming, Nebraska, Vermont, and Maine. If you guys know anybody in any of those states, you send them a link to this podcast and you say, Listen to this podcast so we can fill out all the states on the U.S. map. And after we fill up all the states, we're going to have a big celebration where we all have a glass of water together. Glass of water. <laughs> or ice cream because, you know, James loves ice cream. Cece loves yeah, in ice In fact, cream. in fact, yeah, let's get two listeners in Vermont. Let's get Ben and Jerry to listen. Ooh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. I like how the reward is something for two out of three of us. Listen, you can have ice cream, too. You've got a flavor you like, I'm sure. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to give shout-outs to all of our lovely listeners around the globe, but today we're going to highlight the wonderful countries of Germany, because Germany's, phew, lots of listeners in Germany. And then also, we're going to say hello to Israel. Did we say hello to Israel last week? I don't think so. Israel's think listening so. to us. So hello, Israel. And then here in the U.S., I mean, we named those five states that you guys need to tell all of your friends. Or you could shame them if you want to. Yeah, you could also say, I told you to listen to this podcast. Why didn't you do it? Cece knows because there's no listener in that state. This is one of those scenarios where peer pressure is okay. (laughs) All right. And then I am going to randomly select (laughs) a state. All right, you guys. We're going to give a shout out to Iowa. So hello to all of our lovely listeners in Iowa. Okay, Alex. I'm ready. My hand's been to, in here for way too long. He's had his hand in this jar for a while. Pick out. Oh, whoa. Human cryptids. It says oh. aquatic apes, psychedelic evolution, 
an oh, alien hybrid. And this is this, from Carson. This is from yes, Carson in Texas. You guys want to hear some fun facts about Carson in Texas? Has he seen Peter Dinklage at a bus stop? He has not. He once took a picture outside a bank in Chicago, and guess who was in the background <laughs> picture? You guys, a woolly man. Peter Dinklage. Drew, Drew Carey. <laughs> he didn't meet him, True but he Carey. saw him in the background, and so he carries this picture around in his wallet. Um, and then he also thinks that our magic vase uh, was a good, reasonably priced purchase. So, Carson, <laughs> Carson, thank you so much for those lovely fun facts. Um, also, I do. I just want to mention that one of these theories, Aquatic Apes, was also submitted to us by Henry the Host. Who oh, has really? another podcast? It is called It Came from a Monster Movie. So mm. yeah, if you if you guys want to listen to another great podcast, definitely tune into Henry the Host podcast. Um, but he also nice. asked us to do Aquatic Apes just a couple days ago, so I want to give him a shout out too. I don't have any fun facts about Henry just yet, but they're coming, I'm sure. Oh yeah, we've got we've got lots of fun facts. Got lots of fun facts. Oh, <laughs> should we sign off while you're deleting things, or should we wait till you're done? Um, listen, I'm done. <laughs> So, Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, anybody you listen to music. You did. Until next time, you guys, <laughs> we hope that you can keep, keep it, it straight. Oh, sure. No, I didn't. Oh, that's right. Normal people eat water balloons that look like tomatoes. Mm-hmm.